All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Progressives Abroad podcast. This is your host, Boutique. Once again, thanks for tuning in, recording live here in Oslo, Norway. And thanks to Quap Cousteau, good friend of the show, for donating music once again. And you can get links to Quap's music in the description below. Don't forget, everybody, share this with your friends. Share this on... Uh, social media please don't forget to subscribe follow whatever you got to do to keep up with us as we build this community of progressive information from abroad so let's get on with the show we've got part two today with lee j where last time we didn't get if you didn't get to hear that go back and listen to it um but we uh, talked a lot about asia china and how uh how they responded to coronavirus and also just politics going on over there. A lot about anti-China sentiments that are being proliferated, especially in the Western media these days, and how we need to be vigilant of that. Uh, and today we're going to move on to a bit more uh, talking about Europe, especially my perspective over here in Europe, as well as our thoughts on the upcoming election now that uh, it's been official, as if it hasn't been for months already, that Biden is running as the official Democratic candidate against Trump. So we've got a lot of work to do on this front, everybody. And it's something I want to address just a little bit before we get on with the show today as, uh, you know, what's happening again and again in America. I feel every time I get to the microphone, uh, sorry, I should say United States of America. Every time I get to the microphone, it's just an overwhelming onslaught every week of just new catastrophes, new disasters. And I would have to say from the outside, um, looking in as an insider who kind of went outside, now I'm looking in, it's just um, gut-wrenching and very difficult to watch. And it's a reason why we started this podcast in the first place is to somehow participate in a political and social uh, revolution that needs to happen, kind of reboot of the system back there in the U.S. And I hope that we can do that by providing information and dispelling myths about what life is like in social democracies where progressive policies are being pushed around the world. Um, that being said, you know, a few, I, I talked to a lot of people, a lot of friends, family back home. Um, you know, I was talking and, and, and sometimes they ask me, oh, but what do people care uh, out in Norway, or what do people care in Europe or around the world about what's happening in the United States? They don't know. They have nothing to do. Even people tell me, they say, I'll I was talking to my best friend the other day, um, and he was saying, oh, yeah, but Boutique, you just, you don't know how it is here right now. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, you don't, you don't know how it is, you know, and this always seems to kind of be an excuse, and, and it's true. I don't know how it is in every individual situation, but I can say, uh, I, you know, my friend was saying, oh, if, if Trump wins again, I'm going to, you know, lose complete faith in the uh, in the American dream. And I my answer was, is, I mean, I lost almost completely all my faith, uh, you know, a long time ago when we went into the Iraq war when I was, you know, 15 years old. And we knew that this was a bad idea. I lost a lot of faith when George W. Bush was elected. I lost a lot of faith back in when I graduated college and and uh, we had the great economic crash and it's pretty much how I ended up out here in the first place I uh, had to take a job because I could, in Korea because I couldn't find jobs anywhere else so I was been losing faith for quite a long time and that was during the Obama era you know which a lot of people thought was so great but even at that time I could personally see from the inside looking out 
that there are opportunities out here that I couldn't find. Unfortunately, in the United States, I love being in the United States. I love being back home. And I always thought that we have some pretty fundamental problems in our society. There's these fundamental problems everywhere when you consider fundamental problems in capitalism, there's fundamental problems in communism, there's fundamental problems in a lot of these systems. Um, but there is some places that have bigger problems than others. Um, so I never want to come off on this show as like a, a snob by any means or somebody that can't really relate or has kind of like an unrealistic perspective because I've been there. And even though I don't live all the time in the borders of the United States right now, I'm still a citizen and I'm a, a um, we are all out here, all people around the world, we're citizens of the world. The United States is such a powerful country that everybody kind of depends on its stability. And right now what we see is uh, United States caught with his pants down. I probably said it a few times on the show going all the way back to March when the whole Corona thing happened. But, you know, this is really going to expose and now it has the weaknesses of the fundaments, the foundation of our society, the weakness in the healthcare system, weakness in the social welfare system, the inability to get, you know, uh, proper unemployment benefits or even uh, something like a universal basic income and proper healthcare. If, if anything, during the pandemic, it's just crazy. And you have to ask yourself in this time, Everybody running for the most powerful office in the land, nobody's offering these things. Nobody's offering these things, not even on a temporary basis. So, yes, the fundamentals are broken. The fundamentals have the fundaments, the foundation has massive cracks in it, and this is revealing it. And at this point in time, the people with the power are not the people with the, the big power. The people at the top are not trying to really help. And what we see is at the bottom, all this quibbling back and forth because they've decided to take core issues, politicize them, like, you know, the media and the, the, the corporate elite, the corporate politicians, they've decided to take these issues, for example, social issues like racism, and turn them into a very politicized thing. If anybody's seen the, the conventions recently, I mean, it's, it's, it's back and forth, back and forth. And we are at a time when everybody, no matter who you are, we all need to be healthy. And we have this threat of immediate immediately coronavirus general health problems and at the same time we also have you know climate change which pretty much everybody's forgotten about so i don't know exactly who it was but you know some famous or wise person said and it stuck in my head for a long time that you know we are you know what, what we need to kind of unify the whole world all the people all the religions all the races everything it's kind of like a big alien force coming to attack the earth and then we would finally unify um and uh band together but i mean corona's here we have not unified climate change is here we have not unified um there are insane systemic problems with racism there's insane problems with things like healthcare, there's insane problems with things like getting people food and just ba their basic needs taken care of. And some of these things are really concrete. 
like healthcare and these types of things. And some of these things are equally important, but very abstract, like social issues. Um, so to keep everybody stable at this point in time, we need to keep the basic needs of people. Because what you see at a lot of these protests is, yes, there are some organizations that are organizing and having peaceful protests. But you have to, we can't, we can't put all the blame on protesters or people who are rioting or people who are, who, are, who are also causing problems because the government has abandoned them, has abandoned them. People are at home, they're hungry, they're starving. They have nothing to live for. They have no job opportunities. They are just really down and out, you know? And I mean, think about when you get hangry and you get mad at somebody because you need a snack or something like that, you know? It, neglect to people, no matter who you are, is going to lead to, pro, to um, acting out, to psychological harm, um, to degradation of your mental stability, and causes you to act out and do things that, uh, in a stable society, you wouldn't do that. But that's the problem, is that there the fundamentals of the society are broken. Now, on top of that, we have this problem of guns and gun violence. I just saw you know, recently, t today or yesterday, um, yeah, there was a, they, they, the cops gunned down, the iron armed black man, I think in Wisconsin, and then there was protests, and then on top of that, these militia groups come out, and it's, you know, you know, craziness on the streets, and next thing you know, there's some young guys, like 17 years old, 19 years old, walking through the streets with a freaking machine gun. This is insane. Like, there's no reason why anybody should be walking around with a machine gun. And, I mean, I'm not going to have the argument here about, I mean, it's just, to me, it's very basic. I, you know, don't, I don't condone gun use at all. I mean, I'm not hunting things and I'm not killing things. So I don't know why anybody, I mean, if you want to hunt, I'm vegan, so I wouldn't be in with that. But if that's what you want to do, then go for it. But I don't know why in general we need to be killing things. So just to give you a few numbers to bring it into like the broad perspective. In Europe, or in, in, in United States, there's approximately 330 million people. In Europe, or I would say the European Union, I like to use that as a comparative towards the United States, there is 520 million people, okay? In a smaller area, like a much smaller area than the United States. 520 million people in Europe, we have 6,700 like gunshot-related deaths a year. United States, 330 million people, 36,383 gunshot-related deaths a year. United States has 63% of the population of Europe and five and a half times the amount of gun deaths. Crazy. We, now, there are different laws here, of course. We have, I would say, stricter laws. But guns still do exist here. There's all this, you know, on, especially on the right there and, and, you know, the people that are really strong on gun rights, they say, oh, they want to take away our guns. No. We just need to keep things reasonably regulated. Like, for example, I'm looking at the 
the um, European Firearms Directive right now. So if you want to be a member of the EU, you kind of have to sign on to a general gun laws. And I'm just going to go, I mean, you can have guns. I see it. And if you want to go look it up, you can look up the European Firearms Directive. But I'm going to just go over the prohibited items. Okay. You can't have explosive military missiles and launchers. You can't have automatic firearms. You can't have firearms disguise, disguised as other objects. Um, you can't have ammunition penetrating explosive incendiary projectiles and the projectiles for such an ammunition. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, and you can't have a pistol, revolver, ammunition with expanding projectiles and the projectiles for such ammunition except blah, blah, blah. Okay, so uh, the one is that I find really important here is that you can't have automatic firearms. There's just no reason for this. It's silly. And there, I mean, there you go. The numbers say it all now it is true guns don't kill people people kill people but this is the dumbest argument ever because you need people to shoot guns da -da -da -da. and people can shoot a lot of people with automatic firearms so whatever i don't want to get into a big argument about it but um it's just something just want to drop that there anyways um also, an interesting article today out of a big newspaper here in Norway. Article about, again, how, how, how what America is doing, uh, what the United States is doing um, in their kind of uh, fundamentally flawed and broken system is, you know, blocking even Americans, U.S., United States citizens from coming to uh, United States. Something I worry about and something that was featured in this article today, which is a woman who wants to go back because her brother suddenly died in uh, Arizona and she wants to go back and visit her brother, but she can't really go because right now, United States, because of the poor uh, care that they've taken of this coronavirus situation, is considered a red zone in terms of uh, Europe. So right here, all of the, you know, government agencies, the health agencies, healthcare, um, health insurance, um, like travel insurance companies and all this kind of stuff like that say, don't travel to United States unless it's absolutely necessary because this is a red zone. So right now, for example, someone like me or someone like this woman can't go to the United States uh, safely, would have to quarantine anyways, would have to quarantine when coming back and when in the United States wouldn't be covered by health insurance. So this woman in this story today, which I can link at the bottom, it's in Norwegian, so you probably can't read it, uh, unfortunately is not going to be able to go and visit her brother because she's afraid that she's going to get sick. And when she's going to get sick in the United States, she's not going to be able to get health care there because she didn't have health insurance there. And she won't be able to come back to Norway because... Uh, well, well, maybe she'll be able to come back to Norway if she has coronavirus. It, it's just a big disaster. If she can't really come back, and if she did, she wouldn't be covered here because she got it in the United States. Craziness. Anyways, everybody, enough. Today is kind of an event session, a venting session, and we're going to vent some more uh, with Lee Jay. Uh, I think it's an important episode because we get to peek into uh those of us who are progressive and i would say feeling kind of screwed by the dnc the democratic national committee and the whole convention um you know uh, who thinks that they have our votes in the bag the progressive vote of the progressive when the democratic party and also the independent vote so we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of um, this kind of existential decision that a lot uh, i think progressives and independents are um, having to make now. A lot, it's some, for some people, it's easy. 
they say, forget it. I haven't voted. I don't vote. I never vote, whatever. But there's, a, I think, also a lot of us out there, uh, a lot of you out there, um, who are, you know, weighing the pluses and minuses of perhaps voting for uh, a, a Biden ticket or perhaps voting for a Green Party or something like that um, and what we're kind of up against here uh, in this election. Yikes. All right. It's kind of a long episode, kind of long introduction, but thanks for listening, everybody. Just had to get that out. And all right. Now let's move on to part two of our conversation, me, Boutique, and Lee J, the Bull Moose Progressive. We're going to get into all kinds of stuff, especially about how Norway and the U U.S. handled COVID, what's happening now here in Europe as things are reopening and then closing down again. And then, of course, we're going to get into later uh, about our uh, take on the election coming up. So please buckle in, enjoy yourselves, and thank you so much for tuning in and thanks for your support. Stay good, everybody. Peace. <laughs> I think coronavirus so far, Asia has won. United States has miserably failed. And Europe is like somewhere in the middle. Um, we got the numbers quite down um, as the summer started to come in, like June and stuff like that. And then what started happening, which to me just makes very little sense, is then they started reopening everything. Like it was bad here. Not as bad as in the United States, but it was bad. Just to I'll do a little comparison when I say it's not as bad as the United States, but it was still bad. Okay, so um, in Norway, for example, on the peak day, which was actually March 27th, that's when we had our peak amount of tested cases in one day, and it was 399 cases. Uh, we went on a lockdown, like lockdown, basically, uh, where a lot of things closed down, schools closed down, all that kind of stuff. I think around March 16th. So the, it was starting to peak already. Then we peaked at 399. I looked at Florida, where I, I'm originally from Florida. I looked at Florida statistics, and just on like any given day, there's like 10,000 cases in Florida. And I was like, did some math. I was like, okay, well, Norway's population is about 25% the population of Florida. Uh, let's round it up, call it 500 cases on our peak day. That means that like to be comparable to just one state like Florida, we would have to have 2000 cases in a day, which we have never made it even close. But the amount of like lockdown that happened here was like vastly bigger than anything that vastly like more substantial than anything that we ever saw happen in Florida or like most of the other states, like other than maybe like New York, where they like really had to really shut it down because it's just well i'm just gonna say right now eventually you know just coincidentally as we got to you know we originally connected on the internet just through various progressive and bernie related posts i guess but mm -hmm. we coincidentally both happened to have lived in florida so i feel yeah. like one day when we're just gonna have to sit down and just have a florida talk man just get all that out like i think i think florida is like the butt of a lot of people's jokes but they 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 don't know like you don't know, man. Like I always tell people, like you, if you think things suck, try to go to the DMV in Miami Dade County. <laughs> that that's the closest that's the closest thing to hell I've ever experienced in my life. But yeah, Florida's got some issues, and 
Yeah, no, exactly. that's a good point. We, I think we need to do a whole, <laughs> uh, we should just yeah. do a whole episode on Florida. Just get it all out, all out, man. <laughs> but yeah, but I, so I, but I've been making this comparison, trying to explain it to like friends and family back home because I was like, don't you understand? Like on the worst day we ever had here in the whole country of Norway, we were still more than four times less on like an average day in Florida right now. And, um, and yet people in Florida are like going to the, going to the swimming pool and like going on road trips and like going back and all this stuff. And I don't want to make, I, I've come to terms with it. It's like, I don't want to make fun of these people because I understand what, 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 what really helped in, in Norway and other countries over here. It was the fact that we do have like, a, um, you know, a substantial healthcare, universal healthcare programs and substantial like unemployment programs. Some are better than others. None of them are perfect, but there was not this need for people to like run out in the streets and like protest to go back to fucking work because the government was like, okay, we have all this stuff in place and we're going to juice it up a little bit to make sure that everybody's just happy and at home for the most part. So that was a good thing. That's what this is really, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of people they look over at Europe and they'll say, Oh, it was really bad at first. And, uh, Oh, but, Oh, but they have healthcare and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, we do have healthcare, but the unemployment system was also something that I think played a substantial factor in getting the numbers down. But then what happens? So summertime comes around all the Europeans are like, Oh, we want to go on vacation. Cause that's what we do here in Europe. Cause we've got five weeks off a year or whatever. And, uh, Dude, they opened up the they opened up a lot of the borders here in Norway to uh, incoming traffic, incoming tourism, and stuff like that. Um, like July fifteenth, and we've consistently watched the numbers increase since then. And it's not like a lot of tourists have been coming here, but a lot of people. Some people are coming, and some people are leaving, and then they're going to places like Spain, where they're they're going to places like Italy and Greece, where the numbers are increasing, and then they're bringing it back here. So it's like I don't, I don't. This to me, this doesn't make any sense. Like, there's not like a huge improvement in the tourism sector right now. Like, I mean, hello, like I'm in, I was in the tourism sector. Like everything went out of business. You know, it's not like a huge improvement in that aspect. There's a lot of people coming in in like RVs. There are some like cruise ships going around, which to me is horrifying. And there's already been some outbreaks. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's yeah. like literally, I mean, and I'm just speaking, I mean, all around Europe, but like, especially here in Norway. So what we've seen over the past month since everything reopened is every day, uh, some new country is in the red. Uh, so some new countries closing down. Oh, we don't know. Should we go back to school? Should we not? So it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm really like, I mean, what is, what is, what is holding, I think, Europe together through this corona thing um, is more of like the social systems that are intact rather than leadership. I don't find that we have very strong leadership here whatsoever. Um, they're just kind of like going with the flow, really. And, and they'll come on TV every couple of days and be like, oh, we've noticed that, you know, cases are spiking. So now uh, we suggest that people wear masks on the trains. But it's just right. a suggestion. And I'm just like, yo, like, you all haven't figured this out. I have no idea what their plan is. So it's a bit, it's, a, it's really concerning. And I think everybody's, like, confused because I have, you know, friends here. And, like, some of them are more, like, you know, loose about it than others. And then you're like, I don't know if I want to hang out with my friends, uh, at least in, like, close quarters. Because, 
like I don't know where they've been and who they've been hanging out with and who those people have been hanging out with because there are like little pockets like bursting up again and again so it's very strange time right now because it's like you know unemployment's up um leadership I think is quite down um but it's like the system is kind of holding things together at this point yeah, in time. I, I want to say just from what you said it sounds like you're le- you're absent of leadership but you, at least you had institutions and social programs that are keeping the country more or less put together while the yeah. leadership fails as opposed to back in the US where we have no leadership and no social programs to stabilize our society so it's just kind of like a free for all and again and, and I actually I totally get it like if you're someone in Florida or any of these states like you have no job and you're getting no support from the government, and there's no hope. Like I said, they're both on recess. They basically told the American people to go fuck themselves. <laughs> you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna go to the beach. Like mm-hmm. I'm an American, goddammit. And I, I totally get that because if or if they actually wanted to, you know, nip this in the butt, they should. They could have just said like, here, everybody, lock down, stay home. Here's two thousand dollars a month until the coronavirus is over. Then everybody, and I bet you, if the protests would even probably get cut in half if you did that. But the Absolutely. fact that if you have no job, no money, no health care, you might as well get pissed off and go, you know, burn down a target. Like, I get it. Like, it's if you, our government has basically resisted to do the even bare minimum mm-hmm. that's necessary to combat the virus. And again, it's because they're so stuck in their ideology of we can't, it's like, whether it's somebody saying, well, it's either the, like we can't we don't have the money for it which is just disingenuous or the condescending it's like it's a moral hazard not to pay people or to pay people to work like they were complaining when people were getting six hundred dollars like we're paying people more money to stay home than to go to work a that's the fucking point and b how pathetic is that that the unemployment bonus that you're giving them is more money than they get going to their jobs why don't you pay them more money and like Absolutely. Say, and like whole, the whole thing in America has, was always just like, oh, look at the essential workers. And who are the essential workers? They end up being the most poorly paid, poorly treated people. We don't need stockbrokers. You know, we don't need these finance people. They can go lockdown. But they're demanding people to go back to work with no hazard pay and very little benefits, if anything at all. So our society is really, you know, it's it's like I feel like it's the the, the wood is cracking. And if something doesn't change it's gonna it's only gonna get worse and whether it's trump or biden no one seems willing or able to meet the call of history what and and i'll still talk to people like i'll talk to like older people younger people you know people different generations back home and like people i mean so many people i would say unless they're like actually involved in these protests and stuff like that so many people still don't get it they're just like oh my god do you see what's going on in portland and i'm like what do you mean? I was like, you mean like uh, the people getting bagged in like unmarked cars and like disappearing right. from like militia groups and stuff like that? Or do you mean all the hungry, like hungry people that have been driven to the brink of like insanity? And yeah, okay, yeah, they're hungry or they just have like lost all faith in like the world basically. And, uh, and they're just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go do whatever you know what i mean and and it's funny because these uh, all of these people like have nothing really to do with uh black lives matter or 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 any other kind of like social or justice uh, protests that are going on right now and i think you're right i think even those protests like wouldn't be happening nearly as much because if 
if you were sitting at home and life was generally okay, you're like, okay, my unemployment checks coming in and um, I can keep the lights on, I can keep the internet on, uh, I can keep my food, food in my refrigerator. Um, maybe I'll wait till this, you know, whole pandemic thing has subsided a little bit and I'll just like, you know, try to like, you know, work the revolution from home or something like that. They would have been cut down. But if you got nothing else to live for, nothing else to do, government's telling you to stay home and you're just like, why? Like, are you going to let me die here? I'm going to go die out there. You know, like, <laughs> but well, that's it. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like it's so, they're so deluded and they're like, even for their own sake, like if you really wanted like to, if you really wanted to quell social disorder, you implement policies that make people not want to do, not want to rebel. So their ideology is so warped and they're so unwilling to deal with reality or even be empathetic or except like I said, if you just gave everybody UBI $2,000 a month to the end of the end of the virus, most, most, I'd say the majority of people would stay home, most wouldn't protest, because in the end, most people, as long as people feel secure that their life and their children's lives are secure, they're not going to go right. They, they, you, you only force the people to revolt if they have nothing to lose. And I feel like we, they, they forgot their history, man. I mean, it's only going to get worse and worse. And they basically, they're basically forcing Bastille Day again if they don't do, if they just do nothing which is where we're at. It's only going to get worse. And I mean, I, what do you think is going to happen? Because the way I see it, Biden it, or his, his, Trump is like shooting yourself in the face. Biden is like drinking poison. Like you're dead, but do you want it fast or do you want it slow? And that's basically where, because I mean, sure, Biden will temporarily stop the horrible encroaching like authoritarian neo-fascism that Trump and some Republicans are going in that direction. But we're just, I mean, we'll just get like Tom Cotton or Ted Cruz or someone even worse next time if nothing, nothing changes. Because yeah, yeah. the, the way I see it, the, well, here's my, here's my, this is what I want to get to. Here's my theory. I want to I put this on the record. Mm-hmm. So if it happens, then I was on the record for it. So, I mean, how much have you been paying attention to the whole presidential race up to this point from Norway? Oh, dude, I'm all over it. But I mean, yeah, I have a lot to say about that. Yeah. I- <laughs> Yeah, well, let me just, I'll, I'll give you the, yeah, I'll lay, give you lay the, it down, I'll lay it the, down, brother. I'll give you the, tr- I'll give you the truncated version. Okay, yeah. so you're, I think it's like an open secret. Most people know that Biden is old as fuck and he's not, he's not operating on a hundred percent. Like he, like you just watch videos of him from like just even a few years ago, 2012 debates, like he was on the ball. He could debate anybody, but he's just an old man. Like he should go retire with his grandkids. So he's like already it's like already expected like no one's been no one's admitted it or said out loud but people are already people are already admitting that it's going to be kamala in 2024 like we just everyone's already accepted he's a one-term president Yikes. yeah yeah and no but no one's ex- said that explicitly but that's basically like we all acknowledge that if biden wins she will be president whether and my theory is that if if the democrats got what they want here's their whole theory so he runs, they push him through, push him across the finish line, get rid of Trump. He's president for maybe a year or two. Then he gets to resign for health reasons or whatever. Then he gets his presidential library. Then Kamala becomes president. And if she gets, if she finished, if she becomes president more than halfway through his term, it's not held against her. So she can theoretically run for, or be president for 10 years. That's the mm. plan. And then if she resi- if Biden resigns, she becomes president. Then she gets to a point 
another vice president. That happened when under Nixon, when Nixon's pre vice president resigned, he got to pick a president, Senate confirms it. Now, that was my first theory, which is reasonable. Then I more recently thought of even a worse theory. Who would be her vice president? Who do you think? Yes. I mean, I have a lot of ghoulish people I would like to put in this dark dystopian fantasy. I, I, what about John Kasich? I was gonna no. I was gonna say <laughs> if you really want to be if you really want to be the most corrupt and evil, that's how you get Hillary in. Oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, I know, right? You're just like you hear that. You're like, oh, now, now yeah, I know it sounds. Totally, I know not? it's. Well, that's that's exactly that's the thing. And but, how, maybe, but, you know, but when would that be? That would, so you're saying in like two years? Well, the way I see it, Joe uh, Biden 2020 means hair. W w actually, means Harris 2022. Because there's like, he's gonna we're go, resign. We're, we're going down the. Uh, I like this segment right here. We're going down the yeah. 2022. Uh, uh, yeah, conspiracy theories. <laughs> absolutely, because people again, people are already openly saying that he's a one-term. He's gonna be one-term president. I'm taking that a step further, saying he'll just resign after a year or two, and then and then Kamala becomes president. Because that's the one who they really want. The DNC really wanted from the beginning. I mean, she lost. She got. She lost. She completely failed in the primary. She got nothing. Yeah. But now she's, and that showed me that she was the DNC pick, because my understanding is it was between her, it was between Kamala and Susan Rice. And from my understanding, Susan Rice, Joe Biden had a more personal relationship with, so probably would have gotten along better, similar ideological, uh, ideologically. But Kamala was the DNC pick, because he basically is a vessel for the DNC and the neoliberal establishment, as far as I'm concerned. So this is, mm -hmm. like I said, this isn't, I don't think this is going to happen, it's just my grand theory plan. So yeah, so Kamala becomes president, and then the worst case scenario, yes, Hillary becomes VP, then Kamala goes away for, we'll just say reasons, and then Hillary becomes president, and she never even got elected. Now, as terrible as that sounds, my, only, my hope is that she, maybe she won't care anymore, because she's not the first, she won't be the first female president anymore, but who knows, it's, maybe she'll still care, because, I mean, that's the way I see it. If Biden wins, one way or the other, Kamala Harris will be president. So this, that actually means something. And if she becomes president, then it's just the same continuous, you know, shit over and over again. The neo, they're, they're not, they're, they're not going to do anything that needs to be done. Fundamentally changed, and that's the the biggest tragedy of all. What like it doesn't really matter who it is, they're just representative of continuing cranking yep. the machine. And that's my ultimate horrible theory, which I hope never happens. But yeah, that's interesting, man. Would, that's a, and that's it wouldn't a, surprise I, me at all. I mean, yeah, I, I have I have some yeah. theories too. I didn't factor. I didn't. I didn't ever have a Hillary factor in there. I mean, but it would be so bizarre. Like, I mean, I mean, but okay. Well, let me let me. Pre there's a lot of things I can preface these situations with. First yeah. of all, I preface that at this point, anything's possible. And uh, I mean, yes. I, no, no, not anything's <laughs> possible, but our worst nightmares are more possible than like our happiest fantasies. Like, like, right. for example, like a happy fantasy would be like, well, you know, if Joe Biden really wanted to seal the deal, he'd pick somebody like Bernie Sanders as his vice president. You know what I mean? That would be like a happy fantasy. I don't mean that. Stuff like that's not going to happen. I'm talking about like there's all the ghoulish shit going to happen. Like, so, right. yeah, I mean, uh, because like if they want, yeah, if they wanted to win. 100% guaranteed that's what he should have done mm -hmm. but it's not worth the risk to them yeah they want so, the status quo yeah yeah and like yeah. so uh, some things when I when I when I'm laying out my like theories about like what could possibly happen I, I like to preface with the fact that um 
number one yeah uh, uh all this uh expect um uh what am i trying to say so okay basically it, i really start to think when you see how botched this election has been so far and how botched the last election was uh is that to me i really think that it's probably uh more likely that the Democratic Party and I mean, the de all these the Democrats and the Republicans, I always say they all work for the same corporation. You know, what I mean, it's just maintaining this like uh, it's like, OK, do you want to play more like identity politics on this side or on this side? Are you pro-abortion or are you anti-abortion? Like it's like these these kind of like key topics that, you know, bring people to one side or the other to feign the um to create an illusion that we actually have a choice or something like that you know what i mean i 100 percent agree with you on that they yeah. argue they argue over the like the i the the fluff these they call it culture issues mm -hmm. but when it comes to actual policy economic policy or social policies that actually affect our lives they're always in locks of agreement and they always you know corporations and the rich always get their tax cut while we're yeah, fighting over we're fighting over woke you know yeah, pronouns it's, it's it's a bunch <laughs> of crap dude no really yeah. and uh what um really I, I i totally agree um i don't agree with him on everything but uh, i love uh, but i totally agree with uh, jimmy Dore when he says it's just like watching professional wrestling you know what i mean like it really is it's like we are watching it, it's 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 a, it's supposed to kind of be real but it's just a theater, you know what I mean? Like we're supposed to like take it, take it seriously, but at the same time, it's just, it's just a theater. It, it is a theater, and more and more. And I mean, I've heard this term forever, like political theater. But really, in the past, like, I mean, I really in the past, like, I don't know, eight years or so, I've really started to understand this like term more and more as I like get older. It's just like it's just a theater. Like they're all working for the same crap, and they like to pretend like we have a choice. So that's that's the reality of what we're dealing with. And uh, with that being said, all this strategy that like we're even talking here right now about, oh, this might happen, this might happen. It's all, um, it's like watching a movie. It's not, it's watching a movie, but the movie is our life because these policies will actually impact us. But the fact that we have a choice in this, it doesn't really, I don't think we really do if we keep playing in this two-party game, you know? Yeah, like, like I said, the changes are only skin deep and superficial. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah at the like, end of the day for these people it doesn't really matter um like you know it's like i say like the the democrats are like um a, a wolf in sheep's clothing and the republicans they're just like the wolves you know what i mean but it's the same wolf you know what i mean it's the same it doesn't matter they're both trying they both don't care about us um yeah. and the thing is that the problem is that the democratic party and the dnc has has for like the you know it's all Everything went to shit. It's basically Reagan and and beyond. But the Democratic Party has been moving more to the right to try to meet the Republicans in the middle. And then the Republicans keep moving right even more. And no matter what you do as a Democrat, they're still going to call you a communist. They're still going to call you a socialist. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how far right you move because you're still to the left of them. So it's kind of this point. And then you end up here where you have two, you basically have a right of center party which is the democratic party and now you have the republican party that's just basically falling off the scale mm -hmm. and i mean well dude i mean at the democratic national i don't i mean you can see exactly what kind of message they're trying to send us especially like us like progressive people is that you know the democratic convention 
I, I tried to watch some of it, but it was just like maybe it was just so so mind I, I watched horrible. I watched thirty seconds of Bernie's speech, and I watched the entire sixty seconds that they allowed AOC to pre-record. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. Like that's how. Yeah, and then they, they had like us. John Kasich, like you know, basically like you know, calling out. It, but again, it's a theater. Like, dude, I really. I, dude, I, I at this point I don't even know what's up with Bernie Sanders. I don't know what's up with AOC. Like I don't. I, I think that. The, well, it, de- it depends how conspiratorial. It depends how conspiratorial you get. And this is actually. I mean, there's several things. Like you could say deep down, I think. I mean, I deep down, I honestly think Bernie is just a a sincere, nice and decent old man who did what he thought was right. I mean, you look back. I mean, I bring. Remember what? Do you remember when during the primary when Elizabeth Warren tried to do the fake sexism smear against him? Yeah. So that happened. Yeah. She. So she sold out to try to win. She wanted to be vice president under Biden when she could have been vice president under Bernie, but she she got nothing for it. Of course. Mm-hmm. The point is, and he because he actually tried to push her to run in 2016. He want he was encouraging her to run, but she declined because you know it was like Hillary was preordained. So he felt like he had an ob- he had an obligation to run. So, long story short, and why I call myself the bull moose progressive is to try to bring that spirit from Teddy Roosevelt. He just didn't have the bull moose in him to go all the way. And part of it, I feel part of the reason I feel like they settled with Biden, and they, I feel like the Democrats really did settle with him, and they all coalesced to gut behind him to stop Bernie, but. It seems that Joe Biden or Bernie actually sees Joe Biden as his personal friend. For whatever reason, you can judge that good or bad, but there seemed to be like a legitimate personal like kinship or friendship between the two. And the way I see it, that made it more unlikely for Bernie to attack and go, you know, do what needed to be done. But he's like, I'm not going to destroy my friend here. That's just kind of how I see it. And in the end, I just feel Bernie didn't want didn't have it in him to be basically the, the fighter to smash through all the corruption. And, you know, he just doesn't want to be Ralph Nader. I've, I've heard that term a lot. He, you know, he's like, I don't want to be blamed, even though that, that's the problem. They're going to blame the progressives no matter what. If they win, they're going to say, oh, people like our neoliberalism. Isn't that great? Even though they're basically winning by default because it's Trump. Oh, and if they lose, it's all the progressives' fault for not voting for him, even though they're literally, it's so bad, it's so frustrating because they're basically doing the exact same thing they did last time. They're putting up like a career neoliberal politician with mm. a like lame vice president and he they can't win because Trump is so bad. And it's still, after all of this four years, they're still basically 50-50%. Like how insane is that? The guy that fired the pandemic experts before the pandemic and half the country still supporting him. How the fuck does that work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So long story short, I just feel like Bernie unfortunately didn't have the fight in him, and there. And as far as AOC goes, like she's so young, I just feel like she's got this so much pressure to like conform and submit. It's really, and I can only imagine the pressure that she must experience, you know, walking around Congress. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's like I, I, I don't, I don't want to start any conspiracy theories, but I just do wonder what kind of like I, I just i just feel like there's got to be a lot of blackmail going on behind the scenes well, like, 100%. I, yeah like I, that's how uh, to me i mean i mean do you remember do you remember like like 
when, I mean, what's so great about being a politician that you would, for example, be like Lindsey Graham, right? And just be like anti-Trump, like I hate this guy. And then like you walk into his office before he becomes president and you come back out and you're just like, that's my man. Like I'm gonna defend him. Yeah, to the they death. got videos like, of him. Li- they got videos of him literally saying the exact opposite thing about Trump. Like before the election, he was like, "This guy's a kook," and then like afterwards, he's, he's not a kook. So I I definitely bet. I it's totally plausible that like most of DC has blackmail on on people. I mean, I don't know. Like, how bad was it? Like, did people come up to Bernie and just be like, "Hey, we're gonna murder you and your family if you don't get in line"? I don't know. Maybe man. who knows? But who even knows? and that's. But that's the sad thing. Like, I always feel like even, let's say he did win. It, let's say he won the primary and he would win in a landslide. We all know that. Like, that's mm-hmm. that, like just reality. Because everyone, the American people overwhelmingly support the positions, but they were basically gaslit by the media and the Democrats. It's like, well, if you put this crazy socialist, he can't win. So you have to settle for milk toast, uh, electable, safe candidate. Because that worked last time, right? No. But... Uh, if Bernie actually won, and I mean this, and I don't, I, I feel bad saying this, but I feel like he'd be dead in like a year. Like they would not allow him to be president, real honestly. And I mean, how hard would it be to kill like an 80 year old guy? And that's the same thing. Everyone's saying like AOC next time, she'll be old enough. She'll be 35. She could be the youngest president ever. It's like, not only would the DNC and the Republicans, but the DNC specifically would do everything to stop her. From becoming president but if she actually won i mean i hate to say it i just think the system will not allow progressives to ever take control again because there's yeah. too much money there's too I much just, corruption yeah, dude. it's just a I big mean. ball of corruption that's basically. what i mean they're all working for the same company basically yeah. like yeah. It's, and and it, it, and and also like I, I i i reflect on that and how like a place like norway is working like um here i mean there's a green party. I mean, we have a parliamentary system here. So, I mean, it's, I think already very much more representative of like the people in general, but like, I mean, here they do have a green party. They have like one seat in the parliament. It is not a very like popular party here. And then they have the workers party and then they have like the Christian Democrats and they have the conservatives and the blah, blah, blah. They've got all these parties. I think the parliamentary system is great, but one thing that pretty much everybody, except maybe the green party, that's got like one seat in the parliament is totally cool on is just like drill that oil you know what i mean because this mm-hmm. is like a, the a oil-based economy because like, everyone's getting paid that's exa- why. yeah except and for I, the green and, party yeah. yeah and like i don't yeah. even know like what level i don't know if you, i mean here there's such a um i need to familiarize myself better but i, I don't think it is is as directly i don't know but i get the feeling it's not as directly corrupt like it is in the united states because you know the whole donation thing is a lot different here but still like that is like a really it's a very atheistic country that is the religion here like that's like we have a big bank account you know what i mean that's 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 it's just everybody kind of agrees on that you know well and again i i'm not nearly as much of a norway expert as you are but i would i would just think based on that it's like that's probably where they get a lot of their money to support their social programs too but that's just i'm just guessing yeah, no, it's it's know. actually it's not where they get so much the, that mostly comes from the taxes. But what the big thing uh, about um, about the 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 revenue, the tax, the, they save all of like the tax revenue from the oil because it's owned by the state, uh, and that goes into a big savings account called like the National Oil Fund, uh, and it's kind of like the rainy day fund. 
And they only use about 4% of the interest generated from that revenue every year, basically to like work on like infrastructure projects and stuff like this and like big, you know, kind of social projects like that. But it's actually most of the social system is supported by the tax system. Um, so that is one thing I always like to like clarify for a lot of people. And, um, and I'm sure there's people that are better educated on this out there than me. So if you're listening and you hear something, please take up your discrepancies with me because I'd like to know more. But for example, when I'm doing like tours and stuff like that, and I always get these Americans that come on tour and they'll be like, oh yeah, well, um, yeah, but of course, like Norway can have all these like healthcare, Medicare for all type programs because you got all the oil. And I'm like, no, I was like, first of all, you see that in all these other developed countries around the world. And second of all, this is mostly just a, a different kind of priority system this is like a different uh distribution of the wealth or distribution of the tax money you know we don't have uh, a budget that is like 51 percent for the military you know like uh so yeah it is it is it is yeah uh, no norway's not constantly intervening in the affairs of other nations all around the world constantly <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, but, or but, a huge uh, military industrial complex to support but yeah, but, so. but going back to my point, so like, I mean, you do see reflections of that in other countries too. Like, of course, the United States is not the only country where we have like a, a government that is working for right. things bigger than the people, you know what I mean? Right. But we just have such a problem with it in the United States that I, I just, I don't know about you. So, oh yeah, this is, this is kind of where I was thinking about going with this. It's just like, you know, okay, so progressives in general and like progressives abroad, you know, it's, uh, we're all kind of connected. I feel like, as progressives abroad, we do have some good stuff to share with like people back home, for example, because we do see what it's like in these other countries and how it's worked. And I know that's like, you know, I had these ideas. I had like, you know, seeds of these ideas, of course, before I ever went and lived abroad. Like I was always unhappy about the healthcare system in the United States. And I always thought it was messed up that we had to have all this student debt. And I would read about what it's like in other countries. But of course, I feel like we do have something to offer to people, even though we're not like experts in everything. We do have something to offer people uh, when it comes to uh, disseminating information outside of the bubble. Um, so that's why we're here. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, where do we, progressives in general, here, there, everywhere, like, where are we, where are we going now? You know what I mean? Like, we've got this election coming up. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are struggling about how they're going to cast their vote. Uh, and then, like, after that, like, where to go from there, you know? What do you well, think? it's it's funny. So here, I'll, I'll be, like I said, I'll be honest and candid. So I've always, from the beginning, I've, and, you know, my dad was an interesting fellow, to say the least. He, I, funny enough, he, w we were living in Florida during the 2000 election, and he voted for <laughs> Nader. So even to this day, some of our relatives, you know, we have, like, we have, like, our professional Democrat cousin who's like all in politics but she's like a straight mainline uh democrat and she still gives him shit for that but my dad's always he's like you know what for the first time in my life my vote actually mattered it may have had disastrous results but it mattered and i voted my conscience i voted for what i thought was right i voted for my values and i don't feel guilty at all i'm the same way i've been in a registered independent since i was 18 so I, i'm not like loyal to either party they're obviously generally speaking, both terrible. One is slightly less bad than the other, depending on what you're talking about. So I usually always vote third party. Uh, and we're, you know, I'm in New York now, so that's obviously not a swing state by any means. 
and they were going like my dad's an MSNBC guy and they basically had him convinced to vote for Biden as most people it's like if you it's like if you don't vote for Biden then you're enabling fascism of course yeah that's what everybody no says. no that's what everybody don't says. and I always say well there's so many different levels it's like you know instead of vote shaming me to mm. vote for your horribly flawed corporately corrupt candidate why don't you inspire the half the eligible voters in the country who don't vote at all yes yeah first of all you know and like all you like you know like hello and not even that if the if the democrats really all they have to do is offer me and progressives like what just give us one policy to be excited about mm -hmm. just like they won't even do that i know and you know and they managed to convince my dad to vote to vote for biden and i said well he's still and i'm just like that he's still against medicare for all during a global pandemic and mm -hmm. then my dad's like oh well fuck him you know what I mean? If you if you're still against universal health care during a global global pandemic, and millions of Americans have lost their health insurance to their job, and to still be against it, you're either corrupt or a sociopath. That is my official statement on that. So, I'm probably yes. gonna vote for the green. I might even vote for the socialists because it's actually the same guy. He's running on both tickets, and. I actually encourage you that the Socialist Party of America actually has, it's actually called an open letter to Bernie Sanders supporters. And it's basically saying why you should support, um, you know, the progressive movement or socialist. It might even be too far for me because again, deep down, I officially say I'm a, I, I an advocate for social democracy. That might mean different things to different people. But, and my understanding is that is basically the, the Scandinavian countries run by. And again, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but that's kind of how I see it. Again, to me, in, if, you know, the grand, this, uh, was it the scale of politics left to right? Like social democracy is basically, that's the real center is the combination of capitalism and socialism balanced to get the benefits of both. It's like, yeah, it's like the best thing we got going right now. You know, like, right. it, yeah. So like, um, it's like, not that it's not that difficult or complicated, but American politics is so skewed to the right that to just advocate for basic bare minimum social democracy, they call you a communist, you know, which I'm not by, yeah. by any means at all. But going back to who you're voting for, like, I voted my conscience every election. I'm going to do the same thing. And I would be... I'm, I'm not even I'm not even that hard to get. Like I said, if the Democrats and Biden, whoever just offered like just one platform or policy position that I actually believe that they would actually try to implement, I'd be on board. But they're mm -hmm. literally offering me nothing except like extortion. It's like if you don't vote for this corrupt yeah. corporate piece of shit, Trump gets reelected and it's your fault we go fascist. It's like no, that's not how this works. You're supposed to give me a reason to get up and vote for you. And to go on from that, the scary thing is wh whatever happens in November is going to be terrible. I think we're, I think that's kind of another unspoken thing that no one's admitted yet, but we all kind of feels like no matter what happens in November, it's going to be awful. The election will not be decided that night, and it's going to go on and on and on for weeks, potentially months. You know, Trump's already said he might not leave if he loses. Like, it's going to get crazy. And the saddest thing is, like, what really it makes me sad is that we never got that. I always said, even in 2016 or now, if it was Trump versus Bernie, that at least would have, that's like, to me, that's like the final, that's like the final choice America's would have to make. It's like, all right, you either get like social democracy or corporate fascism, make your choice. But now we kind of get, you either get incompetent fascism or like 
moderately standard issue corruption, and we don't really get that final choice. And if shit gets bad, like Trump's got an army of supporters ready to rock and roll. Like they're basically ready to go Ooh. punch punch libtards in the face. I'm serious. But like mm-hmm. who you, no think anybody, you think anybody's gonna go fight in the streets for Biden? I'm not. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, get your ass kicked and not get health care. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. There's no I mean, maybe uh, yeah, I don't think any care and wine moms are gonna be fighting Trump supporters in the streets if shit gets bad. That's that's mm-hmm. basically how I see it. You know what I mean? And so there's like no inspiration, not, nothing for me to fight for. So the bare minimum is I can vote with, with, without a guilty conscience. So I know I get shit, probably get shit for that. But like I said, I've been voting third party and absentee ballots before it was cool. So mm-hmm. I, have no, I have no moral or ethical qualms with that. I, again, just offer me one policy position I could get excited about, and and then uh, I, I, that's, I'm not asking for much. But they can't even give us the bare minimum, you know. Dude, yeah, I'm. I, I mean, well, I, you're I, in Florida. People might actually shit on you more. Yeah, no, I mean that's the no thing. Like, if I'm from New York, <laughs> I'm I'm uh I'm in I'm in uh I'm in I'm in total agreement like on all those on all those points that you just made. I mean, especially the, especially the just give us one be like anything anything give us one policy give us like a medicare for all give us give us even like a like a like a i'm gonna erase student debt like or you know reform the education anything but to me and, and what a lot of people don't understand about this election especially especially the uh yeah, as you said, the uh, you know the the, the neoliberal cl- crowd, you know the or the the never Trump like neoliberal like I don't I don't even know how to categorize these people, but we'll call let's call them the the wa- the Washington D.C. cocktail party crowd that because that includes Republicans yeah. and Democrats. Yeah, Those and it's really bizarre because it's like I mean yeah. I see it on I see it on you know Facebook I see it on all over the place I see it's a lot of these people I went to high school with like you know it's a lot of you know mainstream media blah blah blah. And I just think, like, man, what you guys don't understand is, like, how brutally, like, um, what a brutal slap in the face this whole primary process and previous election process has been for progressive people, independent voters, like, all kinds of, like, kind of disaffected, uh, disenfranchised voters, like, people that don't fall into one party, which is the biggest voting block of... um, I mean, I've always been—I don't know—I've always been registered as a Democrat. Uh, but after the Bernie thing, after the primary thing, I was just like, "That's it! Like, I'm out." You know what I mean? Like, um, and it was—and—and and, and I admit, like, I mean, it always bothered me. But I, for a very long time, fell for the you know lesser of two evils, you know, strategy. I remember work voting for you know John Kerry and you know, Obama and, you know, blah, blah, Hillary. I did it all, you know? But, I mean, I mean, I'd say at the time, Obama was, like, a person I got excited about. That's a whole other, forget about that. Yeah, now. Like, we'll, have to do, we'll definitely have to do a whole Obama episode. Obama in review. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the Obama, like, there's a lot to talk about there. And I was, oh, yeah. I'll just, as a teaser, I didn't fall for the trap then. And uh-huh. I do feel vindicated now. So yeah, I voted, but the th- voted, 
yeah. Yeah, but the, but the, th- <laughs> the thing is, is like in the end of the day, like you kind of start to realize that like all this, it almost doesn't even matter. Like, I mean, my argument for a long time has been throughout all of this. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was in government class and, you know, we had the explanation of like how the government works. You know what I mean? And my, from that point in time, I was just like, well, at the end of the day, the president doesn't actually matter that much. Like, you know, he's kind of, he, she's kind of the figurehead. They have a lot of these like, you know, executive orders they can make, but the president can always be like overturned at some point or another, you know what I mean? Like uh, pretty much whatever they do. And they're very much more like, I mean, a figurehead, you know, for being diplomatic, for like global, you know, world stuff. And what we've come to find out again and again is like steering kind of the mood and the vibe of the society. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's no doubt about it that like, you know, when people saw Trump come down the golden elevator and they saw him at his, you know, rallies, there were a lot of people that were like, hey, finally some crazy like uh crazy man like crazy right wing guy that's like speaking the truth he's really talking to me so it's like he vibed up the society that portion of people that like really like felt what he was saying so there's no doubt about that i think that's almost the most powerful position presidents tend to have you know everybody uh, loves obama so much because he was this like you know very uh worldly guy spoke different languages lived all around stuff like that so he was kind of like a good representative well, I, yeah i was gonna say the company, they, they, you know they basically both obama and trump basically got elected for the exact same reason that people are so desperate and craving for something different so you know we had clinton and bush she's just like Ugh. and then obama here comes this like very well spoken articulate man you know a black guy like oh first black president great and when he becomes president same shit even trump if Trump wasn't such a loudmouth asshole, he would basically be a standard run-of-the-mill Republican for the most part. Like he's done a couple of things that are like aggressively terrible, but just mm-hmm. most of the policy, like all he, all he, he's basically been a failure. All he really got passed was his tax cut, but everything else is just—it's all just—it's all just, just loudmouth asshole distraction. Has it really changed? Well, that just much? like we said, just like we said earlier, like it's—it's it's the illusion. Like we only re- the only real political discourse is all like the fluff, the. The, the attitude, the behavior, like Trump's such a, an immoral and foul man and he's a Manchurian candidate and the Russians and illegitimate, but we're still going to give him uh, enhanced spy powers and $800 billion added to the military budget. Because, yeah, the Democrats have right? consistently voted right. along with him, you know, so, uh, on all yeah, of his we, crap. Like, I mean, everything, every giving him so, more like money said, for the military, the CARES yeah. Act, like all this you know. Keep the military and the security state churning along, and then we have bullshit arguments on pentecloths and goya beans, <laughs> and pro- it's just so stupid. It pisses me off every time we talk about this. It's it's like, and I feel like it's all just scams too. It's like just uh, I I'll say this right now, and this happened just recently in my life. It's the little things that once I realized that the main issue is that basically. The, whatever I guess what has inspired people to become Americans, but also to the detriment of America, is that everything is about how to get people to spend their money. So, for example, just mm-hmm. little things. Like, you ever go to the airport, you go to the airport, whether it's Taiwan, Hong Kong, wherever, they always have those luggage carts, the easy carts or whatever, you get them at the airport, and they're free. But you go to, you go to New York or LAX, dollar. 
$1.50, like it's insignificant, but you got to pay like everything costs money. And it's something I realized here, like Taiwan, most people have like motorbikes, not motorcycles, but motorbikes, you know, they're cheap, but they get you long distances. You probably get like, you know, 80 miles. Who knows? I don't even know. I know you could buy a used motorbike for just a few thousand NT. And that's just like, like maybe like 30 or 50 bucks, you know? And so how, and it made me think, why are so many people in Taiwan driving motorbikes? But why is, why are motorbikes not such a big deal in the U.S.? It's because why buy a motorbike if you convince people to buy a car that costs five times as much? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everything is designed to make you spend your money. And like, I was just talking to my dad, like, people get screwed over every day. Like he's basically paying for a cell phone service that doesn't work, you know? And people, I think the biggest issue is that people like are frustrated and pissed off and taking advantage of, and they they just don't know how bad they're getting scammed, whether it's through government uh, incompetence on purpose or just corporate greed. Cause I was going to say, that's the, that that's the most, uh, I'll say salacious thing the Trump administration has done is because, you know, Republicans have always been big government bad, small government good. Like big business and big government can be just as bad. They're both people at the top with basically too much power. But the the insidious thing about Trump administration and perfect example is with, with the post office is that they're basically implementing deliberate incompetence. Make just like you said, making it more difficult on purpose. It's not just that government's bad. Like I said, they're they're deliberately fucking up the post office so that the election is doomed. Like, and it's basically they basically admitted that now. Yeah, and that's what actually this is one thing I have to say. It was very interesting to me to observe something that really, I mean, it's always I feel like you know we're always constantly you know waking up to like more and more like knowledge and realizations about how our governments are working. Um, and um, yeah, just uh, you know looking at how trump runs his presidency versus how like you know in the past uh you know and and i think this is probably pretty consistent with the republicans too uh in general and how the democrats run it's almost like this again it's this theater and it's this game where it's like okay the republicans like their game and like the trump game is like oh well you had something well i'm gonna take it from you and make you beg for it just have it back like right. the whole like DACA thing, like it was like he was like this is perfectly fine program. Like all they needed to do was redo it, and Trump was like, "Nah, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna make you like beg for it," you know. And then and then what he does is like sometimes he does that with every, it's like his technique. It's like it's like it's like his business technique. Like it's like he'll, he'll take something away that you already had, and then make you fight for it to get it back. And like maybe if he decides to be like you know benevolent, uh, he you know he'll 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 get it back in some diluted way. And then with the Democrats, it's like the opposite. They're just like, oh, yeah, there's these things that we're, like, fighting for, like, uh, like same-sex marriage. And then uh, at the end, there they, you know, you know, rally in all the states and, like, they give this to the people. This ability for same-sex marriage. It's like, that was great. That was fantastic. But this is, like, obvious shit that we should – that should be legal anyways. You know what I mean? I don't see well, why – Well, we that's the thing. It, it, it was a, the Supreme Court's decision, so it was kind of a cop-out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it took the Supreme Court to decide, so there wasn't even they shouldn't even get credit for it. You know no, what I mean? no. It's just like, I mean, it's, yeah. again, it's all just like a, it's a, yeah. You're right. I yeah. Mean, and that's a, and that's the thing too. It's like it's very basic. This is like the, mm-hmm. I'm talk, I'm kind of like talking from the perspective of the general public. The general public will associate like a part of Obama's legacy with the fact that like under his rule, like you know, uh, same-sex marriage became legal in most places. But it's like it's like at the same time, it's like again, it's like this whole going back to like you know, 11th grade government class. It's like the president only has so much power. He is the figurehead. And like, really, what, what is the, like, the purpose of the president at the end of the day? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, with, because that's one thing that I've noticed interesting now, at least like with a lot of, you know, people I talk to uh, abroad, like friends and other people I meet on the street, or if you're just talking to people, you tell them they're from the United States, they'll they'll like want to talk to you about Trump or the presidency or whatever. And you basically get two different perspectives. Like, some people are like, I mean, the majority of people think that Trump is a joke. Um, although you do meet some that that like him because they think that he's like funny or like a shit starter or whatever. But you do meet people that are like, oh, you know, the very basic, uh, like unnuanced uh, perspective is basically the same you'll find in the United States. Oh, like Joe Biden, but he was with Obama. And oh, Kamala Harris. Well, she's like this, you know. Uh, she's like the female lady. Obama. Yeah, yeah, she's the female Obama. Right. It's like, yeah, she, exactly. Right. And and or you get people who are like even laughing at Biden. They're like, oh my god, like you know, kind of like wherever, like really. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, and I, I just get the feeling like my like the vote really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I first of all, I I unfortunately feel like yes, like Trump will probably win because one thing you can see. I mean, one thing. For me, the most interesting thing to observe about this election process is like basically they're making the same mistakes that they made in 2016. And um, that's the most frustrating thing. They're doing the exact same thing, expecting different results. And then it'll be the left's fault yeah. if Trump gets reelected, which they so, take no but, responsibility. But what to me, what seems even more obvious this time, like, I mean, again, this is, I don't want, like, the, the, I, 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 I'm, this is, this is maybe not a conspiracy theory, but this is something that I have observed. I don't think it's a theory. I haven't heard anybody else talk about this really. But like what I observe is that it's like, you know, almost, it's like a very abusive relationship. You should vote for this because this guy is not Trump. But at the same time, we're not going to give you anything that you want. Not one thing. Like you said, you just give us one thing. That's That would be okay for now. You know what I mean? Not giving us anything. And then pounding people with like, voter shaming i mean <clears throat> when you see um i see these like memes floating around on uh the internet and uh i don't think it's just regular people making these memes i mean maybe some of them are but i think this is all very like you know it's just a lot of good propaganda floating around It'd be like yeah like can you imagine like uh not voting against hitler back during like uh the you know back during uh you know in the late 1930s like this is what progressives sound like you know if you cynically if you yeah it's like i feel like in in today if you if you cynically bring up hitler like you've already lost your argument like again people using that in bad faith like trump is hitler it's like uh i mean he's bad but he's not fucking hitler okay like we don't we're not they're not burning people in ovens okay yeah like, exactly watch yeah, your I, language please that's yeah. like this you're, you're being disingenuous or you're an asshole like let's be let's yeah. be honest here and uh, but yeah i get what you're saying it's like again 
stop voter shaming me. If first of all, if Biden was supposed to be the more safe and electable candidate, then you shouldn't have to do any convincing to me. But mm -hmm. inspire those half the country doesn't vote at all. Get them to come out. Give us yeah. something to get inspired for. And it, it it really just makes me think like they want to lose because it would be better to lose and have this boogeyman to continue to uh, fight against for the next four years. I completely <clears throat> then, agree with you. Then to have like a Bernie in office. Well, that's the thing. And that's, and that's the truth in the beginning. The, I've said that from the beginning, this is before the pandemic, the Democrats would rather lose to Trump and keep, uh, keep the status quo in their in economic sense than to risk having minor social democracy. Because if Trump's, I always say this, if Trump's still president, the, the ruling class, the, the Washington DC cocktail party people, I would say, as long as their taxes are low, their stocks are high, and they can afford to send their kids to private school, they don't care who's president. So I think, and I've been saying this for a while, I honestly feel like this is the most cynical election of my lifetime yes. so far, because I agree with you. I feel like deep down, neither party wants to win. Because who wants to be in charge of this country during this shit show where everything's falling apart and actually have to be responsible for that? And just like you said, if you lose, it's a better position. You can complain, do nothing, and make a lot of money fundraising and complaining. So I'm totally like, it's, it definitely seems that way. And that's not, that's not saying that Trump or Biden necessarily want to lose. But I definitely feel like the, app, app, like I said, the Democratic Party probably is like, well, at least Bernie's not going to be president. So we don't, we're not going to, we're not going to lose our money. Yeah. Oh yeah. This it, is exactly it'd be nice. Happening. It'd be nice if Trump wasn't president anymore because he's such a meanie head. But yeah. if he is president, oh, well, I still got my tax cut, you know, whatever. And that's the truth I feel. And it's, again, it's a better position to be uh, on the outside and just complaining and doing nothing. Cause here's what's, and this is the thing, here's what's going to happen. Let's say Biden actually wins and you know, we can have, I don't know if you want to have that now. It's a whole other discussion. We can have like all the different scenarios of Trump leaves. Does he go? Where does he go? All that stuff. <laughs> so let's just say he's. it's finally dealt with. Biden becomes president. Then we're going to go back. And let's say the Democrats even get the House and the Senate. And they'll get it for two years. And then the Demo and the Republicans will stonewall everything just like they did under Obama. And it'll be the, and then, oh, yeah. And then I always say, I'm looking forward to the Republicans going back to uh, pretending to care about the debt and the deficit once the Democrats take over again. Because you know that's going to happen immediately. We can't support these radical socialist programs because we don't have the money for it after you guys just gave like trillions of dollars of tax cuts to Wall Street and the corporations and the wealthy and the Fed literally pumping trillions of dollars to pump the stock market up. Because you, you notice they're like Trump's always saying that, like everything's going to shit, but the stock market's great. It has record high. It's like stock market means nothing to the majority of American people. Yeah. It, 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 why do they always use that as like some sort of fake indicator of economic success? Like the stock market's doing great, but yeah. that means nothing to most Americans. It's and, yeah, uh, middle class like most... and upper middle class uh, and super wealthy people that are benefiting yeah. from that. And that's about it. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, it really wouldn't surprise me if both sides don't care. I feel like it's not necessarily that they want to lose, but it's like, they don't really care if they do. Cause like, well, if the Democrats are like, well, if we lose, then Trump, we can just shit on him. It's easy, right? Don't mm -hmm. do anything. It's all his fault that we can't get anything done. And if the Republicans, uh, and if the Republicans lose, the Democrats are like, well, we can just do socialism, socialism smear, and then just fundraise against socialism. 
whatever, and, and, and also not have to do anything. So it's a very, I feel like we're in a very cynical place because again, there's no more, I feel like there's no more patriots left. It's only bad faith actors and people who care about profits more than the American uh, people. Yeah, it's, it's really man, you, you, I think you hit it on the head. This has got to be the most cynical. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't even know what to think, man. Because like, honestly, like, I, I, I truly do. Usually when I vote for president, I, I look at it as like the least important vote. Like it's much more important. And, and uh, I want to talk about that a lot on this show, like in like future episodes. Because I think I, I think I almost almost don't like I almost don't even want to talk about the presidential election anymore because it's so screwed. You know what I mean? And it's been so screwed for a long time. Really moving into the future as uh, progressives uh, home and abroad. We need to focus more on probably on like local elections. I mean, I've always been yes. much more like I've been I've been always trying to like inform myself a lot about like local elections or I can vote and how I can get people uh, into office that are more progressive. There's a lot of progressive people like running uh, in as independents and as I guess in the Democratic Party um, at a more local level. I mean, these all have a lot of potential to get corrupted too. But that's I think where especially looking into the next four years where we need to like focus our attention more is like how to juice that up and get yes. more people involved and maybe elect people who are not part of the Democrat or Republican party. Like we need well, to break gonna, out of that system. That's going to be hard. I was going to say, cause some people say that we need to make a new third, third party, whether that's like a progressive party or even a populist party, I would mm -hmm. say, or do, do all the progressives just join the green party but then some people say, well, our system basically just makes that pointless and that the Republicans will always win. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I mean, we could, there's so many things to talk about, but what do you think needs to happen? Oh, and I just want to say, where exactly in Florida are you from again? Because I used to live in like South Florida on the border of Miami-Dade and Broward. So I was living in Debbie Washerman Salt's district. <laughs> and she yeah, just no, won I was her, living down there too, her, yeah. Uh -huh. She just won her primary again, so she's Yikes. not going anywhere. Yikes. Yeah, well, I was, yeah, I was, I was in Florida forever, and um, I was there, I, I was, I mean, I grew up in Palm Beach County, so I was literally, would ride the bus to school every day and see all the protests outside of the Palm Beach County Board of Elections when the whole, like, hanging yep. Chad Bush Gore oh, election God. happened, yeah. and I was there, I was there when I remember after school one day, we all, like, went downtown because there was a big rally going on, and uh, what's his name? Jesse Jackson was there. Like, Jesse yep. Jackson, see, yeah, all the news channels were there. It was pretty wild uh, to be, like, there while that was happening. But, well, uh, and since you, since you brought that up, that was something. When, when I was talking with my father about all the different theories of things, you know, in November that could happen, who wins, who loses, does Trump stay, does Trump go, does he, like, I, I think he might flee the country. Who knows? But I didn't even think about it. Like, we could totally have a repeat of 2000 again. It's totally oh. if, if the election if the election is so fucked on again fucked on purpose with all these mail-in ballots like I could totally do like who knows how bad and the Supreme Court just says uh well we're gonna decide again and eat shit and th that's the end I mean I didn't even think about that as a possibility that's total anything like I said nothing will shock me oh anything's dude, possible it's gonna be yeah a one thing I, I you know we can sit around and predict and conspire yeah. and all this stuff but i think one thing i'm comfortable to guarantee is that this is going to be a shit show <laughs> yes 100 percent. Like, we all agree on that yeah guaranteed, like, like, guaranteed shit show yeah really yeah. big shit show and i mean 
you know, I, yeah, I, I, we should probably wrap it up soon. But a few other things I'd just like to to express uh, is that you know a couple of two two things that really stand out to me in this election is number one uh, the fact that from the beginning, like we're talking back all the way back to like end of 2018, I feel like they were like ghost polling Biden. I say ghost polling. I mean, like before he was even running in the primary. So I don't think he announced until like April, 2019 or something like that. And yeah. they were like, go- they had him like in the polls, even though he was one of the like last people to announce he was running in the primaries. So that was pretty ridiculous. That's so sketchy in my opinion. But the bigger point is that from the beginning, all of these assholes, everybody, including Bonnie, we're all like, oh, vote blue no matter who. Vote blue no matter who. Like, I don't care. Who. Why the fuck would you say that? Like, right. Because that's the thing. <laughs> like, like, and then, like, I don't feel like in the end of the day, like, I don't even know. Like, I don't think my, my presidential vote will matter that much in any election, but especially in this election, because I think, unfortunately, Trump's probably going to win anyways. And in Florida, I'm, I'm quite... I'm pretty convinced he will win, um, which is, you know, scary. It's Flo- it's Florida. Yeah. Like I said, we'll, we'll have just, a Florida episode. It's yeah. fucking Florida. Man. But but it's like <laughs> it's like but for me, it's just the thing was rigged or fixed or whatever from the beginning. I mean, with the ghost polling Biden, the vote blue no matter who. It's like, dude, this is this is not how the election is supposed to work. We are supposed to like you know, be kind of negotiating with Biden or the, the corporate Democrats or whatever, because, I mean, they really fucked up. And, and I think that's like, the, I think the moral of this whole conversation and what I've had on my mind for a really long time, and, uh, and, and then it keeps coming back with the, you know, Kamala VP and all this stuff is like, man, like, when you look at the Democratic, I'm sorry, when you look at the Republican Party, those, those people are solid. Like, those people are solid. They're like, we are evil. We don't care. Oh like uh we'll do what needs to be done we'll do what needs basically. to be done and the majority yeah. of people are going to vote the majority of the people in that party are going to vote that way yeah you've got some of these other kind of like people never trumpers and and this crap that they might but it's i think it's a small portion of the that their electorate and and then on the other side you got the people who are like supposed to vote for the democrats like they're saying the progressives and the independent, like they think that independent voting block is like, a, is supposed to vote for the Democrats or like anybody that's not, you know, a Republican that's in all these other categories. And it's like, they did and still do nothing to coagulate. Like, Barn, I mean, okay, we all know that if you were blue, no matter who, if you were truly blue, no matter who party, which is not me, I'm not blue, no matter who, you're not blue, no matter who, but if you were part of that, then that means that you would have also voted for Bernie Sanders. You know what I mean? Right? 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 right. Like, I mean, if you vote blue, no matter who, I guess, like, even if you wanted, uh, you know, Diane Feinstein to be president, but that didn't work out, you'd, you'd still be voting, you know, blue, no matter who, so you'd vote for Bernie. But there was, even back in the day, like, we're talking, like, you know, six, uh, ten, mo- you know, a year ago, you would have all these Democratic politicians on, 
uh, you know, mainstream media, you know, they'd be like, so would you support a Sanders presidency? And they would be Absolutely like, not. oh, that's, yeah. that's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to get to that point. Like, blah, blah, right. blah. You know, and it's like, so blue, no matter who, total fucking bullshit, straight up. And it provided us no negotiating power, and at the same time, did not bring people together. You can't just say blue, no matter who. Boogie woogie, Trump's the boogeyman, scary man, is hiding under your bed. And I'll right, get this fucking vote for vote for whoever. I to- totally agree with you. Yeah, that was a con from the beginning because clearly they like they did everything they could to stop Bernie, and a lot of people would never have voted for him anyways. And again, I don't, they're doing the exact same thing as last time. Yeah, and they they Trump. Trump bad isn't enough, and yeah, even he, with even with all this shit going on, you figure he would be losing by like eighty percent because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. the and, and but it's still fifty. Like how pathetic is that? Yeah, that dude. we're still fifty fifty. So th- to me, that was an early that was an early sign to me that they didn't want to actually win because because um, because if you want to can you know like let's say we're like the loose ends you know like yeah if you could if the, the democratic party said i'll give you some medicare for all i'll do that yeah maybe yeah okay i'll i'll, I'll sign on to that to that for for now you know what i mean in the in this election but like they really didn't want to give us anything they're not trying to give us anything and uh and at the same time they're just like bah but like you're gonna vote for us like and we're gonna make you feel bad for it if you don't and then if, and then we're gonna blame you later like if if you don't if you don't if you don't if you don't you know if you if we if we can't bully you into this you know and and why this is so important to have this conversation and i hope other people listen to this and you know curious people who are maybe not from this same maybe in the more neoliberal uh mindset because it's so important just like last time i didn't think hillary was going to win i thought it was a very strong chance trump was going to win for these reasons and as i look through talk to people like you listen to me listen to a lot of like you know leftist uh, progressive commentators media journalists man the supposed left that's supposed to vote blue no matter who is very discombobulated very disjointed and is is running aimlessly around and like what do we do you know what i mean and because it's like yeah of course i'm not voting for trump that would never fucking happen in a million years but it's like uh, you know what am i supposed to vote for this uh people that have just been bullying us the whole time and it's important that people know that like it's important that the all these like neoliberal blue no matter who people uh know that and and start also pushing these politicians to uh change their platforms and stuff like that but I then mean, again the whole thing is fixed in and yeah and they're all working for the same company so it probably wouldn't i work. was gonna say all these vote blue no matter who people were, were were so excited to they were willing to vote for bloomberg man and that's basically just another <laughs> basically another trump they were so excited to be like yeah luckily he had the charisma of a wet paper bag and he failed miserably but they were so they that was the point they would rather vote for bloomberg who was like a republican two weeks ago mm-hmm and became a Democrat to run it, but they, you know, that's the that's the vote blue no matter who mentality. They would they would have voted for Bloomberg. Yeah, know? and I mean their second their second option if they wanted to seal the deal with the voters. I mean I don't know about you, but like for me, I would be much more convinced to buy into this whole thing because uh, right now I'm like totally unconvinced. You know, like but like I'd be much more convinced to buy into this thing if they were like, all right, Olive Branch, if he'll take it. We'll, we'll do bernie as the vp you know what i mean it would still probably be a big scam you know what i mean but 
optically, you know. Like you said, give us something. Give something. us something. <laughs> something. It's, it's, it, all they've given us is, uh, it's your fault if Trump gets reelected. That's it. That's it. <clears throat> yeah, and um, and then and then of course, the other thing, uh, another thing I wanted to bring up before we go is the fact that even here during a fucking pandemic. I mean, all you need to do right now to win this election is say, we do a Medicare for all, baby. I know. Send that check. Send that check to the government. That's it. And that's why I say that's how twisted and corrupt they are to their donors and their ideology. That they, dude. That they, can't even, dude. they can't even do the bare minimum for themselves. Like, like I said, if Trump want, if the Republicans wanted to actually win, they could just be like, you know what? We're gonna get you. We're gonna do UBI, and Trump's name will be on all those checks. But they, they, they still. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure what happened, but I, I just have this, this feeling in my gut. Like I'm not, I'm not making a prediction, but I'm saying anything can happen at this point. And I just, it wouldn't surprise me if one day Trump comes out and says, "I'm gonna do Trump Care for All." And I ask, hey. I wonder. Do it, hey man, do it, right? Bring it on. See like, what happens. Like, like do what it. are people going to do? Like, yeah. Well, well no, I wanted, I wanted to say before we also go, <laughs> like, you know, you, know what the, you know what the most hilarious scenario to me would happen? So remember, Trump won electoral college, but lost the popular vote. What if somehow the opposite happens with Biden? What if Biden wins the electoral college yeah. and loses the popular vote? Does that mean everybody is going to immediately completely flip and be complete hypocrites? Probably. You know what I mean? Like that's what's going to happen. Just oh yeah, this is all this is yeah. possible. Yeah. But I, I did want one last thing before we go. Yeah. That I think the solution going forward is that we really, you know, there's a lot of things that need to happen, but I'll just focus on one thing: is ranked choice voting. Mm. I think that Maine, this election has ranked choice voting, so probably won't happen. But in theory. There's a person on the Green Party running for Senate in Maine, and at least they actually have a chance to win. So going forward, there's a lot of things that need to be done, obviously, but I'll just end by saying ranked choice voting is one of the big things that we could do, and it isn't that difficult to do. Like Each state can decide to do ranked choice voting if they wanted to. It's not like this constitutional ingrained thing. Every state could do ranked choice voting if they wanted to, and I feel like that's the way going. But of course, the two major parties don't want that, so mm. that's a difficult do, but that's a very simple thing to do that would make our system, I would think, a lot more actually democratic and you know more vibrant democracy. So, yeah, I like that idea a lot too. Uh, yeah, man, we got a long way to go. That's a for lot. Sure. Like I said, after Trump's president, there's a lot of shit that needs to be done. Probably won't be. Well, you know me. My plan is to somehow end up in Europe, hopefully in Norway, where <laughs> you're at. Move away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, I, 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 that's all I got, man. I mean, what, what, what do I have to go back to? Survival mechanism. <laughs> yeah, I'm just in survival a... mode, man. Just survival mode. Well, it's so. no doubt about it that the failed system, the failed state, the lack of health care, the immense debt, the crashing economy that we were all a part of about 10 years ago from this very day, uh, was a huge motivation for me to uh, leave the country out of survival 
and uh, a big reason why I'm still here today. So I guess that's why we do this podcast because we do yeah. want to spread this knowledge and also give back a bit because uh, Lord knows I still uh, love the great old USA. And uh, actually part of me really does this also because I'd like to go back someday. So I hope to kind of influence uh, something somehow, somewhere. Uh, that's just a far off dream. But uh and just a friendly reminder, if anybody in America is looking for a job, you got a college degree, they're still taking uh, some companies in Taiwan are still hiring people from overseas, even with the pandemic. So, oh, yeah. Yes. There's a, they're, will, they're, willing to, they're willing to make it happen. If, you, if you're willing to come, they'll, they'll still take you. So yeah. think about that. All right. Before we go, uh, Lee J, do you want to just tell everybody uh, where they can find you on the internet or your podcast or whatever? Sure. I got a podcast I'm just trying to do with my dad. When when he's not inappropriate, I post podcasts on the joy of liberty, but you'll mostly find me uh, having pointless arguments on Twitter as uh, the bull moose progressive. So that's where I spend most of my time when I should be being more productive. I'm bull moose progressive, Teddy Roosevelt style progressivism. I think that's going to be the way forward. So that's what I stand for. Dad's right. That sounds like another 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 podcast we need to do. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Lee J. Feel free to stick around after the show. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. Send us your comments. Send us your questions, your concerns, your wishes, and uh, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or even on YouTube. Uh, this is your host Boutique. Thanks, Lee J. For coming on the show, and we'll see you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.